Good morning. Before I uh, get into the homily, I'm a new face here. Let me just introduce myself. My name is Joel Peterson. Uh, sitting down here is my wife, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Peterson. We are visiting from Wilmore, Kentucky, uh, where we go to church in Lexington, Kentucky, at St. Patrick's Anglican Church. So we bring you greetings from there. Uh, and we are, for the next five Sundays, visiting various churches and um, telling them and inviting them to participate in uh, something that God has opened up, a ministry that God has opened up for us. Uh, for Elizabeth and I have been married about 13 years, and over half of that time, uh, we've had the privilege of living outside the United States in Muslim majority, two different Muslim majority countries. We worked with a people called the Somalis, and basically what we did was we worked really, really hard to learn the Somali language. We uh, taught English professionally. Uh, in, I taught in a university and a couple other settings. We worked really, really hard to understand the Somali culture with the hopes of bringing the light of Jesus into that world, with the hopes of introducing as many Somalis as we could to Jesus Christ and see their life and their communities transformed by Jesus Christ. Five years ago, we left the Somalis and came to Wilmore, Kentucky, uh, where I went to Asbury, and I have just finished. Very excited about that. And the Lord has opened up an opportunity for us to return to Africa, Muslim Africa. This time we're going to go to Egypt. And so we're visiting various churches and inviting churches and individuals to uh, participate with us in this ministry through um, prayer, through financial support. And uh, so that's basically us. Have I left anything out? <laughs> Our children. Yes. And it's Father's Day. So I better not leave that. Uh, the children, I think, are on their way. <laughs> They're with their grandparents uh, who live in Delaware, Ohio. And so they left this morning. They, they'll probably be running around here by the end of the service. Uh, we have three, a nine-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. So you'll see them, I think, eventually. Uh, as far as the rest of the homily this morning, what I'd like to do is uh, observe a couple things from the gospel reading that we read, observe a couple things about Jesus and what it means to be his followers. And I'd also like to look at something that Paul said in the epistle reading. So we'll start in the gospel reading. Uh, if you have a Bible, it's Matthew 9, uh, chapter 35. Uh, this part of Matthew, this is one of those places in Matthew where we get a bird's eye view, sort of looking out uh, the window of an airplane, a bird's eye view of Jesus' life and ministry. So we see the general uh, characteristics of what was going on in Jesus' life. So we see him, he's traveling from, to cities and villages. He is uh, preaching and teaching in synagogues. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing disease. One of the things that Matthew mentions is crowds. Uh, you might not know this, but crowds were actually a very common thing in Jesus' life. For whatever reason, for various reasons, Jesus, wherever he went, there was often crowds. He attracted lots of people. Uh, if you, actually, over 50 times in Matthew, there's mentions of crowds. And as you read through Matthew and you, you look at all these references, one thing that emerges is that these crowds... Uh, were, were 
for the most part, they were people who have not made up their mind about Jesus. That's the one thing all the references to crowds they really have in common. They're not like Jesus' followers. Uh, They're not following Jesus like his followers. They're also not rejecting Jesus like some of the scribes and Pharisees. They're sort of neutral. They are uh, curious, maybe a bit skeptical. Um, They haven't really accepted the Christian message, but they haven't really rejected it either. And they're attracted to Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but I know I have a lot of people in my life that fit that category today. Curious. Haven't really rejected the gospel. Haven't really accepted it. Uh, Maybe a little skeptical, but uh, curious and drawn to Jesus. Um, The neat thing about the gospel passage we read is we get a glimpse of what Jesus, uh, how Jesus saw these crowds um, and his sort of attitude toward these crowds. One of the things it tells us is Jesus says a general characteristic about these crowds was they were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. So the crowds are somehow, they, 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 they're leaderless. They have nobody leading them like a shepherd leads sheep. Uh, they have nobody showing them where to find life. Like a shepherd shows a sheep uh, green, where to green pasture and still waters. They have nobody really uh, protecting them from evil. Uh, like a shepherd protects a sheep from lions and wolves. Basically, uh, Jesus saw them as lost. Fundamentally, sheep without a shepherd, they're lost. That's just kind of what a sheep without a shepherd is, is a lost sheep. Because he saw this in the crowds, we heard in the reading two things. He had compassion because of this. And he, that compassion led him to do some certain things, led him to action. Compassion is a, I've just finished seminary, I've studied lots of Greek, so I'm going to pull out some Greek. Uh, the word compassion, there's a fun Greek word, it's splagchnizomai, it's fun to say. Uh, it comes from a word splagchnan, which means guts. So it's kind of a gross word. It's basically if you slaughter an animal, everything you have to clean out before you, you know, it's, it's all the non-medically just guts. It's uh, bowels, entrails, whatever you want to call it. So splagnizomai, it's really, it's talking about uh, a feeling in your stomach. So we translate it compassion. I don't know, I'm sure we've all experienced that. Uh, we have a phrase in English, uh, my heart goes out to this person. Uh, what we mean is, there's, I'm really concerned about something about them, and I'm feeling it in my stomach. That's what this word means. Jesus saw these crowds, and he was feeling it in his stomach. It's a, it's a gut-level emotion. It's a gut-level concern. Uh, and it's a serious word. It's a strong word. This emotion causes him to do some certain things. The first thing he tells his disciples is, pray, pray. I want you guys to pray. He uses another metaphor. He says, the world, he says, these lost sheep, they're all, it's also kind of like a harvest that needs to be harvested. A a, a crop that needs to be harvested. It's a, it's a really large harvest. And there's a sense of urgency. It needs to be harvested and there's not enough laborers. That's the image that Jesus uses. 
So he says, pray that God would send out laborers to gather the harvest before it rots, before it spoils. And then, after he tells them to pray, (laughs) which is often the case in my experience, he tells them to pray, and then guess what? They are the answers to the prayer. He sends them out into the harvest. He sends them out in the reading to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Later in Matthew, we'll read. uh, Well, let me get there in a minute. We've just come through Easter. Jesus is alive. Amen? He's alive and well. He's ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father, living and active in the world today. I think he's still, when he looks out on the crowds of the world today, he's still His gut still feels it. He still has compassion. He's still concerned about the lost sheep of the world. He sent his disciples out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel at this point in the gospel. By the end of the gospel, he sends his disciples out saying, go and make disciples of all nations, lost sheep of the whole world. Jesus is still, he still has compassion for the lost sheep of this world. He's still calling his people, us, to pray. He's, I think he still sees a harvest, waiting to be harvested. He's still calling his people to pray. He's still sending his people out. And he's still inviting us to join him in sending labors into that harvest. So as his people, we're invited to join him in compassion for lost people for crowds, whoever fits that category. We're invited to join him in praying for the nations, praying for the lost sheep of this world. We're invited to join him in sending and going to the lost sheep of this world into the harvest field to gather the harvest. I want us to observe something that Paul says in Mark. We're going to kind of put a bookmark. Oh, not in Mark. (laughs) My wife said, no, not in Mark. In Romans that we read in the epistle reading. Um, And then what I'd like to do is think about how something Paul says in Romans really complements this idea that we've just talked about from the gospel reading. So kind of put a bookmark in the gospel reading. One of the things that Paul says in the reading that we read is that it's really important, one of the crucial parts of being a Christian a really important part of following Jesus is knowing that God loves us. He talks about two ways that we know that God loves us. One is based on objective historical facts. So it's kind of like a, it's a head knowledge. It's something that we can, we can learn through reason, through logic, uh, based on objective historical facts. It has to do with the timing of Jesus' death. Did you hear that in the reading? While we were sinners, while we were weak, while we were enemies, that's when God sent Jesus. And because of that, we know that God loves us because he made a move toward us while we were sinners, while we were weak and helpless. He moved toward us. Paul says that demonstrates God's great love for us. But he also talks about another way where Christians know that God loves us. He says that the his, God's love is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that's more of a, a heart knowledge. 
That's more of something we receive through the Holy Spirit. It's something we experience. So it's a, it's a knowledge of God's love that we experience. Now, the reason I think this is so important, one of the reasons that this is so important, I'll say it as succinctly as I can, is because doing flows out of being. Doing flows out of being. Our activity in the world for Jesus, what we talked about in Matthew, our joining him in that compassion, our joining him in praying for the nations, our joining him in sending and being sent and making disciples of all nations, I think that properly flows out of a life lived with God. What I mean is there's like a circular flow to the Christian life where we, however you spend time with God, we're doing it right now corporately, but Christians are people who live life with God, however that is, maybe that's taking a walk outside, maybe it's doing the daily office, maybe it's spending time in silence and solitude, but somehow getting into a place where we can receive God's love through the Holy Spirit where it can be poured out in our hearts, where we can meditate on God's word and know that he loves us. And then out of that place of belovedness, we then, out of that place of God's affirming love for us, for you, we then are able to love others. That fuels our, our uh, ability to join with Jesus in mission. So as I think of these two thoughts together, these two passages together, uh, what I hear are two things that God, I hear two things that God's doing in the world today. One of them is pursuing intimate relationship with his people. He's been doing that for a long time. We heard in the New, Old Testament reading, his people are his treasured possession. In the Psalms, we're, the, we're his sheep. He's pursuing intimate relationship with us. So as his people, we are pursuing intimate relationship with him, pursuing being loved by him and loving him. And then we also heard in the gospel that Jesus, that God is really concerned about lost people. And he's also he's, he's on mission to find lost people, to seek and save the lost. And so what I hear is these things coming together. Like this. Chris, what I hear is an invitation to, to live life with God in such a way that we are empowered to join him in his mission to seek and save the lost. The Christian life isn't just be with God only. It's also not just do, 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 love more, serve more, uh, have more compassion. It's both. And the the the... Our pursuit of God and our being with God fuels our doing for God. Does that make sense? I just want to share in closing one thing I read yesterday morning that was just, it was so affirming to me as I was thinking about this message. I've started reading Mark, and uh, I'm in Mark chapter 3, and this is the part where Jesus appoints 12. And listen to what he says. He appointed 12, whom he named apostles, and listen to this, to be with him 
and to be sent out to proclaim the message. That's exactly what we're talking about this morning. Jesus calls his disciples to be with him and to be sent out to proclaim the message. And what I'm saying is our being with him fuels and nourishes and creates in us. It transforms our hearts to proclaim his message, to join him in his compassion. It transforms our hearts to love the things that he loves. It's like the closer we get to God, we we pick up his aroma, the aroma of Jesus, and we're able to give it to the world. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, give us strength and wisdom and courage to live life with you in such a way that we can join you in your compassion for the lost people in our world, that we can join you in praying for the nations, that we can join you in sending and being sent out. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.